Imagine like if there was an English dub of this and it's just Kuwabara's voice as the skeleton knight. <laughs> like that would be so jarring. Hey, put that thing away. She didn't consent. It's some of the hottest fire trash I've ever seen. I thought it'd be a joke. Spades, you keep saying like, we could drop it. We could pick another one if you want. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. You, I mean, you pulled me into hell and I kind of like it here. <laughs> but Pink, you know why, right? It's because Tribe 9 shit its own bed. It didn't shit your bed. And that's the power move that it needed to do. It's intimate. Because, because that, exactly. Like if they shit my bed, you know, that's, there's a whole different expectation I have of what will happen after, you know? Because cause shitting your own bed is, is like, that's like animalistic, right? But shitting someone else's bed, that's a power move. It's a, and a gift. Text me your address later. <laughs> Listen, this is a lot of shit talk, but uh, I think we should get into the real shit. Good, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I don't like playing with poop, but I just don't want people, I don't want people to write it off. Yeah, and and I just need, it. I want people to have a conversation. Are we introducing ourselves again? Yeah, baby. This is going to be a seppy potty. Um, Chivo, sound the horn. It's the first impressions. That's what we call it now, right? It's the first impression. It's Hold up. Chivo, sound the horn. Yo, yo, yo. It's, it's the... Sh I'll, I'll do that again. Uh... Chivo, sound the horn. Oh, hold on. Oh, it's yeah. all right. If it's not you, it's me. <clears throat> Don't break up with me. <laughs> 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 Fucking excuse me. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah. Okay. Whoa. Yo, Chivo, sound the horn. Yo, what's dumping, everybody? It's the seasonal frontier up in this And you know it'd be your boy, Frankie Punk, the orc. I turned it to an orc for the seasonal frontier because we got a battle. And we got a... We got a new member to the party, but, you know, I'm going to introduce everyone else first. It's the Pink Menace! Boo! Yay! <laughs> I like how you booed yourself. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> and we got... Lego pizza! Yo, it's Lego pizza, bitches! Back at it again. And the new member... To the Seasonal Frontier. It's Regular Spades. That's dude. Whoa, damn. <laughs> you know what it is. Spades I'm excited. On demon time this season, actually. Listen, my bow is at you guys' back. Yeah, he's an archer. Damn, dude. I, I, that doesn't sound comforting. Like, that's not it good shouldn't. teamwork. <laughs> it shouldn't. Flaming yeah. arrows all the time. But to be fair, Pink, they sound more organized than us. There's really not hard to do. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but yeah, like we said in the little bonus thing that I thought was going to be the start of this podcast, but now it's not. 
It's just a bunch of, you know, bros taking on the season. We got it surrounded unplatonically. Yeah. And we got it surrounded. It's looking pretty, what did I say, adequate? It's looking like a, a worthy rival. This season, it took us by surprise. It's just like, it seems consistently good. It's not like top heavy or anything. No. Uh, there's a lot of anime that are at least like pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And quite a few like above average ones, which is dope ass Daddy King Pops. But waste no time. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about our picks. Am I forgetting anything? I introduced everybody. Yeah. Got the spring season anime 2022. I think you covered it all. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't have to remind you of anything this time. I wanted to mention. What? I shared that you. I sh- face up, face down, da- face up, face down. Uh, the voice actor for Pegasus singing that song yeah. shared it on the Facebook page. I shared that on my personal Facebook page first on accident. And I wrote, did you read the caption I wrote? Oh, yeah, for that was so cool. It's like, wake up, champion. You're going to be late for the Duelist Kingdom or something. Like, it was just like super corny. Bro, can you imagine being like so much of a ba- ba- alpha male that you <laughs> accidentally share that on your own page? I couldn't dream of such. And then it's just Pegasus, like, singing about dueling, like... Little children. Yeah. Yeah, the Jeff Epstein of of Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> Listen, I think you got a little off track. You should just like, follow, and uh, join our, our little group on Facebook. Yeah, hey, reach out to us if you, can f- if you can find us. Pegasus didn't kill himself. <laughs> Yo. Pegasus didn't send himself That's to a trend. the Shadow Realm. It's a trend, dude. I like that. And I, I have something else I need to address before we move on. Because I think a lot of people got it twisted. Oh, God, I'm getting fired? Not yet. All right, good. You're on your last warning. So you guys heard, you know, you guys know about the Johnny Depp case that's falling yeah, with Amber I Heard? Did. It's popping Bro, I off. she pooped his bed. That's all I know. That's what I need to address. <laughs> you need oh, to address that? her pooping his bed? Yeah, this is, yeah. This is the perfect podcast to do such. Because she's getting a lot of hate. And I don't know. I don't know if she deserves that much hate. Really? Okay. Would you guys be more appalled and upset and offended? Or more shocked and impressed and, uh, I don't know, like, uh, maybe more willing to give the relationship another chance? Because this is just, like, too interesting to turn your back on. To, like, close the book. No, this book's got to close. It's been toxic. But, but like, what if you're, like, 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 what if you have something special there? Like, what if she's, like, a glitch in the simulation? It's, like, Bro. really broken OP or just, like, this is real love. Bro, you don't poop somebody's bed that you love. You don't do it. You poop your pants, not the bed. Everything that I've seen from the relationship just seems really toxic on both sides. Very abusive on both sides. Overall, yes. But say you just had a girlfriend and you got into a fight. Very regular, basic stuff. Not, trivial, not worth mentioning. <clears throat> And, you know, you came home and there's poop on your bed. And, like, she claims it's hers. Yeah, like, I don't know. That's pretty dominant shit. So my mommy dommy kink in my my brain would be firing on all cylinders. I just think it's really, you know, that's a lot of personality right there on that bed. (laughs) That's a lot of personality. (laughs) It's like, you know, you tell me about your breakup story. And then, you know, you tell me about your breakup story. And then I'll tell you how I found a poop on my bed. And, you know... Everyone's probably going to want to talk to me and hang out with me. I think you're right. I mean, I also want to talk to her. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, like it's, if you it's own interesting. It, if you own it, 
as part of like what that entails in your relationship like that's dope i don't like poop i don't like playing with it or anything <laughs> no i i get what you're saying training our poop cats yeah baby I don't know, I just, I'm like, huh, that could be like a strength, like, could our relationship grow back stronger because of this? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely avenues where that could happen, and, but... <laughs> no, look at Tribe 9. Tribe 9 totally shit the bed, and I, my relationship didn't get better with it. I feel like that we'll see some copycats in the future, and we can use those for case studies. But, Pink, you know why, right? It's because Tribe 9 shit its own bed. It didn't shit your bed. And that's the power move that it needed to do. It's intimate. Because, because that, exactly. Like, if they shit my bed, you know, that's, there's a whole different expectation I have of what will happen after, you know? Because, because shitting your own bed is, is like, that's like animalistic, right? But shitting someone else's bed, that's a power move. And a gift. Text me your address later. <laughs> Listen, this is a lot of shit talk, but uh, I think we should get into the real shit. Good, yeah. I just, you know, I'm, I don't like playing with poop, but I just don't want people. I don't want people to write it off. Yeah, and I just need. It. I want people to have a conversation, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, we'll talk, we're talking about Toma, Tomodachi, Tomodachi game first. Yeah, Tomodachi bed. That you know, that's a a show that that this might happen you never know like this this yeah. show is off the rails with the the deviancy of you know what people will do in a friendship so yeah the Dude. things that have been uncovered within three episodes about things you would have never expected to hear dude talk about jam-packing so much stuff into just a f- short episodes holy uh-huh. smokes this was a roller coaster tomodachi game the fact that like they have to cover so much that they have blow through these like little introduction screens within a second each like i have to go back pause and like read it and then start playing the episode again before we get into uh the synopsis tell people what it's about even though it's pretty easy to explain yeah that was a one of the huge things i had a big problem with is how fast things pop up and go away on the screen like they, yeah. they had no respect for the for, for the english viewer doing the no. subtitles even everybody with the, all the ui and gamer stuff that comes up because they play games not that it's an easy guy mm-hmm. but holy smokes i had to pause so much especially like the little comments in the later episodes uh like in the sky yeah. like live audience comments yeah, yeah. and then- i had to pause every time to see what they were saying but I mean, that's just I think very common in a lot of anime where there's a lot of uh, japanese text it's, it's and common yeah. I, I mean, it sucks because it's, it's not a good thing, right? We're kind of just used to it. And I wish there would be more shows that kind of let it be on screen for more. Um, Platinum End actually did a really good job of that. And I highlighted that in my review last season. Of leaving it on the screen for a good yeah. amount? Well, one of the cool things that they did for the English version in that was they had like, you know, like the classic, I'm going to look at my phone because I got a text. And then it's all these Japanese characters and they just kind of paste the English on top of it. What what they did instead was they had the Japanese text and everything just straight up on the phone, and then they just superimposed a second phone as half of the screen in the English, so you could just follow along. And, like, I think more shows need to innovate like that, for real. That is fat. I just, I, it's definitely common. I I wouldn't say it's very common, but this is, this show just did it very often. Yeah. Yeah. It just really triggered me because I was on like my PlayStation and you can only like you can only scrub like a fat amount and I'm like Ugh, kill one more time. It's very similar to my complaints with Comey during my previews with Comey about yeah, how Netflix handled that. 
that because that first episode there was so much japanese text on the screen literally impossible even for a japanese person because like the character uh-huh. bios that pop up when we first get introduced to, which is mad respect like we get each character they're giving us a lot of exposition they only have a little bit of time to work with it's cool the social security it, number everything. <laughs> it, it give you no amount of time to read yeah. a full paragraph it, it reminds was, me of both my hero academia when they have like the bios of each uh, superhero or supervillain and then also with attack on titan when they do the transition scenes and it's about like some technology yes. and they just have like random blurbs about the technology but there's so much world building in that for attack on titan and they never leave it on screen for any reasonable amount of time i always have to pause so but yeah it, it sucks but it is what it is so, so far our biggest complaints literally just been how much information they give us and that none of us are intelligent enough to retain it yeah so true that I like that. So what is it about? It's all right. Drop the big, the big reveal, dude. Everybody get ready. It's like Squid Game. Wow. Yo, it, for real, it's like Dog and Rampa in Squid Games had a baby. I like how you guys described it before. It's it's a death game. You know that's put on a pedestal to say the very least. Something mm-hmm. I mean, we find out we get some live viewer audience and stuff like that. They get involved, but it explores the the strength of a couple friends. I think it's more like Saw than anything else. It's not a death game. It's a debt game. Yeah, true. Ooh, it is. The reason I named Saw is like a big one is because in Saw, when they do these games, it's a smaller field, right? Like Squid Games, they started with, what was it, 456 people, right? Yeah. This is just five really good friends. Everybody knows each other. There's no strangers here. They might not know all the secrets about each other, but that is like a little bit different. And that's why I kind of like it. Like, I try to liken it more to Saw, because in Saw, there's a lot of times where there's people that know each other, but they don't, one of them doesn't realize they know each other, but they have, like, an intimate relationship. Like, there's, like, one of them's, like, a detective who was, like, their parole officer or something crazy, right, in Saw. So there's more of that personal relationship aspect, which is basically what this show is, right? Mm-hmm. It's just all about relationships. It's funny, because it's, like, you think you'd want to go into an event like this with your best friends. But in this case, it has just been nothing but bad. There's, you want to give it like a quick synopsis? I have one here, but it's kind of long. All right, I got this. Um, Yuroichi. Yuichi. Yeah, Yuichi. The main character. Cool design. Long, shaggy hair. He looks tired. Shaggy, spiky hair. Yeah, he looks like kind of lethargic for the most part. But the class gets money together to go for a trip yuichi not having a lot of money works harder to make this happen then when all the money's gathered together it gets stolen and all the friends gather together because they all got notes saying like hey hey meet me here so they all met up and they're all like wait a minute you you sent a letter to our house and then they get tased and woken up by a mascot of a canceled show a canceled children's show. No, where... it was a late night, actually. Yeah, but it's a children's show, I thought. It's it was a, show... a parody of a children's show, yeah. I believe. Oh, uh, okay. And it that's was... why it got canceled, because it was, like, super grotesque and stuff, right? The main character is actually just a big bully, and he goes around beating up kids and taking stuff from them. And they cancel it. They're like, hey, this is messed up. So that's the mascot who wakes them up. It's like, hey, everybody, time to play a game. Um, The $2 million entry fee was in, and you guys can walk out with $20 million. And it's it's all about trusting your friends. And he even says it. But man, it'd be really hard. 
And I think the biggest thing, too, is that uh, one of the catches in this game, because they always have a catch, right? It's not just, oh, free money, and if you lose, nothing bad happens. Yep. It, it, it surrounds debt. So basically, there was, what was it, $4 million? Of, no, $8 million of debt, Yep. I think. No, it was four at the start. Yeah. So, like, each character or each person of the five in the group is assigned $4 million in debt, and they... They have to play the game to lower their debt. And then once their debt is cleared, they win the game. But their debt can increase by playing the game wrong or making mistakes. And no one knows who what the debt total is of each player. And if you show them the debt, because it's on like a little... It's on the inside of a name placard. And if you show one of the other contestants how much debt you have you actually double your debt. So you're incentivized to keep it secret and to lie about it. And this whole game is basically just, how can I lie to my friends to lower my debt value? Because that's the only thing that really pertains to me, right? So it, it when you have five people who are considered friends and they're put in this situation, it's never going to go well. Mm-hmm. It's They planted so many seeds in this setup that are just waiting to cause these obstacles and for entertaining deceit and stuff like that because the yeah the other premise of of why the game was started was because whoever stole the money is one of the five no one knows who it is then no one's admitting it and in order to play like the reason that they wanted to play this game is because they have this outstanding debt which is now spread out to all five of them and they they have to come together to get rid of that debt and they're all interesting friends. Like all these characters, they're all they have their own thing, and it's got me interested. They're not your typical characters or even tropes, right? So like the main character is he's like a very nice person, but he was raised very in a poor way. He doesn't have any folks anymore. He doesn't have any parents. And then there's the smart goody two shoe class president girl. There's the very smart. Uh, almost like silent tactician vice president. Hold up, yo, uh, best friend, blonde, silly dude. He's at, he's the president. You said vice, didn't you? Oh, yeah. He's I, the class president. Oh, the, my bad. The sheriff's daughter, who is the, she's the vice president. But mm-hmm. you you were right in the sense that she considers herself the president. Right, that's what it she is because he it. he fucks around a lot. The the other guy that I was saying is the vice president actually isn't the vice president. He's, I was thinking about Tenji. So Tenji's the, the negotiator, the yeah, tall, the negotiator, yeah. the glasses pusher. Yeah, yeah. So we probably just confused everybody now with the names and stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, main character, you know that he actually is probably the most typical archetype because he's just like that that he's plain old dude. dude. Shonen protagonist doesn't know his father. But the twist is. He really comes alive once money's on the table. Yeah. Like, that's when he thrives. That's when his brain's working at 100, and that was dope to see. And the people observing, which was really cool to see. I loved that. They take note of that, and the the conversations they have about these characters' psyche and the, and the psychological factors infecting them and the trauma and things that have never been done before and the possibilities. It's just, like, mm-hmm. amazing. They're, like, sitting right beside the viewer. They're like the Zenny from Dragon Ball Super, but not exactly. silly as all hell. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting with Yuichi too because it's it's money and also friends, right? That was like the two sides because yep. his two remembrances of his parents is his dad saying money before everything else and his mom saying friends before everything else. Now, did you notice that when his dad says money before everything else, it's like you see like the world's grayish and like bleak and there was also like black liquid that's bubbling and looks nasty. Mm-hmm. But when his mom said friends before everything else, it was like a nice raindrop in the lake with beautiful ripple a lot of sunshine in the hospital yeah. room and, and there's a lot of symbolism like you so i didn't much. even notice that i noticed other symbolism pink but dude this show is really killing it with the black and white symbolism like the balance even with the art and all that i got mm-hmm. some stuff written about it but yeah with the parents and it's interesting that we find out the mother's passed away and she left a good sentiment about like what life's about and the father walked away and he left the negative one yep. And he has this dichotomy he's going to be going back and forth with. It is cool, man. The way that I love when any, I love when any form of media does this when they play play out a scenario and then it's like cut reverse and it's like this would have happened if I chose this, but I'm choosing this. Like they play out yeah. what they want to do in their head, and it, it kind of psychs the psychs you out. I love that. It always trips me up because I'm like, oh my god, he just made the worst decision ever, and then it, oh, it's actually just him going through what that decision would be like. I love those scenes. I also really like too, like how in these scenes where he's starting to lose trust in his friends, you could see like the black sludge bubbling up. He even says a few times, he's like, this is going to awaken something bad in me. But back on the characters before we go harder, the main popular guy, the real president, he's like the best friend role, the silly, up, upbeat, come on, talk to her for me again. She, she slapped me and I really like her. Yeah. Comes from rich parents, which is completely... and. Typical to the main character who's poor. Yeah, he's like, you could have just asked me to let you borrow your money. He seems like he talks so much about that that he, he might be lying. Who knows? This show is all about that's, fucking tricking us. That's, that's true. What I'm thinking too. To be honest with you, there might have been a scene or two where I would have even wanted to punch him in the mouth. But he's he a good does guy. Say dumb things at bad times. But yeah, you know he means well. It was a sixth seed that was planted in my head, viewing I, him. Forward. And I think that's why it was really cool that they had the main character kind of present the character tropes for each character because it's it might not be true right that's just his impression of these people perception that's about to get twisted up in the upcoming events yeah that's dope it's just getting you set up to fall and then the last character that we forgot to mention to round out the the five is the quiet anime loving girl who gets bullied all the time yeah she's adorable that's how i feel i'm like she's so sweet and she's so cute and like kind and helpless and yeah, and you feel bad for her because she's getting bullied and she's like, oh, this isn't as bad as it used to be in middle school. And I think that's how Yuichi looks at her too, you know? What were you saying, Pink? Oh, spades. Damn, really? No, I was going to say, uh, as soon as the blonde haired dude come, came on the screen, I was like, I immediately don't like this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to oh. hate, except for spades. They forgot because to add that, fun. actually. You're right. No, not because he's fun. Because like... Uh, it, Later on, like, once you start getting into the episodes, like, you start seeing the breakdown of the characters. And I was like, right off the rip, I didn't like him. The only character I like is the main character. Like, as as a character. All okay. the others are just like, alright, I don't trust any of them. But that's how the show is supposed to be put out. The show is like, if the movie Clue, based off the board game actually mm-hmm. had interesting characters. Like, Negotiator, he's just this tall, deep-voiced guy. He acts as, like, he always negotiates and moderates for the group when they get into little turmoil and altercations and stuff like that. And he always sticks up. Oh, no, no. The uh, This 
So the sheriff's daughter is the other one, the vice president. She's very, has a lot of conviction. She's all about justice. And she is the one that won't stand for bullying. And now she, you know, young, innocent girl. What's her name? Do we know? Uh, yeah, her name is uh, Kokorogi, but that's Aww. her last name. Uh, her first name is y- Yutori. Mm, and our main character is the only one that calls her by that. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Everyone else, it's Kokorogi. Yeah, and she and she doesn't get bold anymore because Sheriff's daughter's around, and she's... And she has a friend group who's there for her. Seems like the love interest, and by episode two, you know she is the love interest. We got like a love quadrangle here. We got a love rhombus, bro. Love rhombus, bro. Yeah, nah, it's a whole trapezoid. Damn, There's it's a trap. Angles. I'm not going to add another shape to that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's the that's the five friends, huh? Two girls, t- three guys. Yep. And then the other characters that we know about are the two people that are a part of setting up the game, uh, which are you know these onlookers that Franny had mentioned, and they're really interesting too. One of them is like a little mommy dom type who yeah. you know black short black hair, uh, very cold. kind of cold calculated. and calculated and in control of the situation. I'm, I'm sure she's like the central planner here. And then we have like a little fun pink haired girl who's like her little hench person. And I think her name is uh, Maria Mikuze. And she is kind of just having a blast seeing yeah. all of the, tr- like all of the drama and stuff. She just is loving it. And I think that's supposed to be us, right? Like we're supposed to be like, Oh man, this is getting so crazy. So yeah. th- they've been a really cool dichotomy because it gives you a little bit of like this fun, loving atmosphere in this like horrid, horrid situation. Yo, you know what? You're right. And I think you said it before, Fran, too. Like they're the Zenos, right? Because they kind of sit there and they're like having fun, but also watching this so contently themselves. To give more context about these characters' position, all I said really was they were overseeing it. It's like... um it just flashes to this like different setting and they, and they refer to group C and then we see a video camera and then we see a monitor screen and then we see these two ladies dressed up like kind of like office like a tall one and the young one right mm-hmm. and they're analyzing and commenting on their behavior and psychology kind of like this is almost a science experiment would be your first impression but then we yeah. s- we certain learn in uh, later on in episode like episode two or something like that that there's actually live viewers as well like so this may be some form of entertainment or maybe that's part of the experiment as well either way it seems like the older one is sensing the younger one and teaching her For what sure. it is to do this job yeah i mean there's a lot to talk about this and we're gonna spend some time because like you know this is the full three episode review and you know whether you should watch or not and we're not scared of the spoilers because it's the first three episodes if you haven't watched it, you're probably not gonna until we fucking sell you on it. So, you know, get your money out. Yeah. Because you're about to go in debt. Yeah, for real. Yeah, if you talk during it. These games doubles. are, like, they're so impossible. They're so interesting. And that's the, that's the thing about this genre, I guess. There's just so many ass pulls and it's all legal. It's like, oh, you didn't know that we used to date and this person used to do that and my dad actually died? It's like, they could just come up with anything and add it. And mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's like, if, being a dungeon master in Dungeons and Dragons, like you can just create scenarios and nobody can complain. And there's never a good option. You can complain. <laughs> <laughs> Those are both good responses. <laughs> I'm glad I got a bunch of D and D freaks up in here. Yeah. But it's a, I I viewed it as a really like a min max build because 
underwhelming art and animation, especially compared to the rest of the shows this season. I agree. It just leaves something to be desired. It's 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 just mid. You know, we'll say that. And but it is clever as hell, and it's clever in the fact that that dude, that kid in the suit, in the in, uh, Manabu Kun. Yeah, Manabu. Yeah, he's uh, the host of the kids show. He's like CG 3D, so it's kind of like giving me the perception or illusion that he's in a suit yeah. compared to everyone else, and it kind of is a good contrast, probably, I like coincidentally, to the super flat animation that these guys have. But its strength is, lies somewhere else, and it's very strong. That's why I say min-max build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's maximizing on the storytelling and the the drama of the characters, which... To be honest, that's why I watch most shows anyways. Absolutely, yeah. We're very driven on that shit. Uh, characters and story. And the music. The music always sells us. But that's the animation, true. we're not scared of that. When I first saw Manabu-kun, and I'm like, this is a dude in a suit. And then I saw him walking around, I'm like, damn, did they give this poor guy the R2-D2 treatment? They're like, you, you could fit in this and shove the random person in there. I like how he changes outfits, too. Yeah. Like, in the second game, he's Manabu Sensei, and he's got, like, a teacher outfit on. And, and he has a long wig. Yeah, a really shitty wig. <laughs> and he's trying to, like, sound older, too. Yeah, he says something funny to them. I forget what it is. But I have it. I got it somewhere. I think he's supposed to be the comic relief. Right, because yeah. there's it's it's like him and the pink haired girl who's overseeing things are like the two areas where we've gotten comic relief because you need it in this type of show, right? Because it's just so dark and mm -hmm. and twisted that you need somewhere to lighten the mood for the viewer, or else they're just gonna like be way too <laughs> anxiety ridden to keep watching. Well, he's like the Monokuma from this. Like in Dog and Rampa, you have Monokuma, the little black and white bear who is the ringleader of the whole shit show, but he's also making so much light of it to where it's, like, funny. It's like, haha, this is a really messed up situation, but that's a good joke, little man. All right, kind of loosely like Game Master from I'm Standing on a Million Motherfuckers if they had a sense of humor. Yeah, and a more dark outlook or personality to it. Yeah, it's sick at the conversations, the dynamic relationship between this character and the friends he makes jokes and i noticed the negotiator is the only one that addresses him with that suffix yep mm -hmm. call him uh coon at yeah. the end i i would not be surprised if the creator of squid games had read this manga prior to writing squid games and came up with in that first game in squid games with the the animatronic girl who does the mm. red light green light that's right if they came up with like her character based on this show and manabu kun because, yeah, this was published, the manga, in 2013. Yeah. Because there's definitely similarities there, right? Like, animatronic-esque, yeah. like, little child person who's, like, this weird game master. Even though it's just for that one game in Squid Games. Yeah, and he, kinda, he talks to them kind of, con like, he, he treats them like they're kids on a Barney show. Yeah, he, exactly. he He adds suffixes to all their names and talks to them like they're idiots and then he, but he toys with their minds as well. Like he makes the main character think it's all about money. And he's like, what is it? Is it money or friends? Tell me, huh? Tell me, spades. Does it slap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I also think that that was really interesting too, because that shows that whoever is playing this game or whoever's organizing the game, they know a lot about these characters, right? Like they knew that the money or friends 
situation for Yuichi would be something that he would have to decide on. And they pushed that on him. Am I correct? I, I was too lazy because I was getting really... I wasn't going to pause it again, but I, I thought I could see the... Or it, it would have showed the negotiator's name tag behind it real quick. Did you notice that? What do you mean? Like in in, a, in like one of the scene transitions or like the end of it of a scene, like he's looking at his name tag, which isn't supposed to be shown to anybody. And I thought you might be able to see it, but I was oh, like, I'm like not going see, back and pausing. To see I'm just, what his debt was. Yeah. No, I don't think they showed it. All right, cool. Well, based on episode three, we can all guess what that's going to show, right? Because there, there's a big reveal at the end of episode three. I stopped in the middle of that yeah. absolute love rhombus chaos at the end of episode two. Didn't finish it. Yeah, oh, you missed out on episode three. What a fucking ride that was. That's another great thing about this show. It's game after game after game after game. Very short time in between. Every episode, we're getting something new and really hot. So that that's the weird thing with episode three. I thought we were going to finish that game from episode two and move on to a new one. They're still on that game because a shit ton of stuff happens. So much exposition. Of course. Yeah. And there's a there's a big reveal. You find out who is the person who orchestrated all this, who had... Holy shit. Yeah, already in episode three, mm-hmm. which it could be like a ploy, right? Like, Because this show would do that. That's what, gonna, that's what I was going to say, dude. There's a big reveal every two minutes in this show. That's and they what, all yeah. hit. And yeah. you, you never know if it's actually the truth or not. So like in episode three, this is a spoiler. So if you're afraid of spoilers... Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, we find out <laughs> that, that Tenji, the negotiator is the person who signed them all up to play the game. Uh-huh. Ooh. At the end of episode two, you see uh, the one shy friend girl, uh, Kokorogi. She just drops to the ground screaming at what they revealed in this new, like, drop, drop a secret about your friend game. And in episode three, they reveal it. And that was a, that was a head trip. Like, I, I thought other things they said were nuts, but the whole compensated dating one that was fucked i did not expect it and she only told one person yeah and so, she didn't tell and then you find out that glasses pusher really is on some like eisen level big brain schemey shit but he's such an insufferable bastard yeah so negotiator glasses pusher uh-huh so so you you find out that in episode two that i the the sheriff's daughter uh, and the negotiator, when they were little, their parents, were, their fathers were friends. Because I think the father of the negotiator is a lawyer. I saw that part. Right. So they were like arranged to get married as basically as kids, right? I, I was going to say, I don't even want to try and explain this love rhombus, but yeah, you already started. Go ahead. Well, I just want to explain this part because it gets very crazy. So basically, yeah, it does. Uh, you know, they were arranged to be married as, as kids, and then uh, as they got older, uh, one of their dads died, I think, and then the arrangement kind of fell it was off. his. Yeah. His dad dies. So the negotiator's dad dies, and uh, the arrangement kind of goes away. But he was he ended up falling in love with her, and she was never actually in love with him. She was just, you know, friends with him because they were forced to as children. So he still has this, like, stalker love for her and ended up basically giving her uh, a little keychain that was supposed to like be a key protector so that no one could like steal her key it would be locked in this little little contraption but what he did instead was installed a secret microphone and she put it on her purse oh my god so he listens to 
she listens to every single conversation she has. So every conversation she ever had with someone that is like a secret confidential thing, he knows it all. And that's and that's how you find out he's the one who knew about all that other stuff about the other girl, his own. Yeah, because like, the quiet girl Kokorogi, uh, she did something called compensated dating, which is essentially being like a prostitute, where she would go on dates with older men for money because she the only way that she could appease her bulliers was by paying them off. So she resorted the, to the cute, only thing that she the could cute think little of. anime girl. Yeah. What she, so innocent, and then she reveals she has a dark little like uh, bro, I feel for her pre adult so prostitution thing going on. I mean, so she says girl. that she never had sex with anyone. She cut it off before it ever got that far. But no one, like all the viewers in the sky and stuff, are like, they're like, oh, she's a liar. Ooh, yeah, Cersei. Yeah. All saying like she's unpure. She's not a virgin. Like all this stuff, right? And. She's claiming that she's still a virgin, whatever. But the only person that she told was the sheriff's daughter. But because the sheriff's daughter had the microphone on her, the negotiator found out. Everybody sus, dude. Yep. Dude, and it's nuts. And then when they do this big reveal at the end of episode three, he gets like into this like maniacal laughing, like Joker esque, like oh, like ear to ear, like toothy smile. He's like crazy. Burn, fall. Get ruined. I want to watch you all cry. So, yeah, he has some weird resentment. And I think that his whole concept is like if he could ruin all their friendships, then the only one left to be the friend for the negotiator's daughter is me. And I can finally have her fall in love with me. Bro, the best is the end of episode three when they're like next episode, episode four. Do you do you remember what the title was? Oh, it's yeah. It's like someone did something cringe or something. like knows. Oh, dude, that's so cringe. Because that's exactly what I said, too, about the whole microphone. I'm like, oh, that's so cringe. I want to mention in that second episode is really hype with the love rhombus is pink when you said glasses pusher the negotiator. That was one of the most epic glasses push in anime I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It had a lot of impact on it, the way he did it and when he did it and why he did it. His swing straightens more and he's got to tilt his head down. It's just like so... Ugh. It was the most justified glasses push. What a Chad. Yeah, man. Shout out glasses. Yeah, the show's crazy, man. I, I'm just really looking forward to finding out more and unraveling the mystery. And I, like, I, I would not be surprised if he actually wasn't the person that did all this. And this is just like a weird thing that they're trying to throw a wrench in for the viewer. I don't think the debt is his, but he did it. He set all of it up. He that could be true. He's like, I stole the money to do this. Yeah, like, that he, could be it. Like, he stole the money to start the game, but the debt wasn't his, and he didn't know about that part. I mean, it could be someone that the, um, it's probably the vice pres talked to. I mean, he hears all these conversations anyway, so he set it up. He knows who's the debt belonged to. As soon as the characters are introduced, I made guesses. I was like, vice president, sheriff's daughter. Mm-hmm. Is the killer, I'm calling it. Negotiator will get killed close to the end and revealed, and it will be real to not be him, even though it really felt like it. And if the best friend popular guy, real president, yeah, if he were to become the killer, I just feel like that character archetype, it, it would be too predictable him being the killer. And I, I feel like I might be disappointed. Like it might stuck be up li- rich guy who just always gets what he wants and th- doesn't get it this time, so now he's getting revenge. And... I thought you were my best friend, and Squid Game had the best friend 
ultimately be the big yeah. bad. Yeah. Even though he wasn't an orchestrator. Right. So I just feel like it would just, due to circumstances, they take control would just be really dis more not dis more disappointed than any other person being. And the in Squid culprit. Game, he's also like the person who was like well off, but then ended up getting debt anyways. Yes, which he- like would also be very identical to the rich kid having a debt anyways. That would hurt. I wouldn't be surprised if it's his debt, but he didn't orchestrate any of this. He just has to, like, play the game. He doesn't want to tell people that he has debt because they all perceive him to be a rich kid. I hope not, because this show has really proven itself to be clever. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. But if if it's even more similar to Squid Game than we thought, then... I that mean, then it's really Squid Game that's the copier, right? Because this came out before it. There's a big combo about it. I'm not sure. Oh, really? Like, you think the, they were both the so writing? similar in timing? Oh, I didn't. Did Did Squid Games come out not in the U.S. Well, before? I mean, I know Squid Game cost oodles of money to make. Uh, who knows how long the screenwrite has been That's true. in the works? And yeah. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, it also came out like after COVID, and COVID probably made that like be a hassle to deal with. So that was prolonged, right? So. Something we should have looked into might do it later in some free time. Maybe during the conclusions and stuff when we have like Oh, money. absolutely. But yeah, overall, dude, this show's sweet. It's if you like shows that have crazy twists, a lot of character driven drama, this is a show for you. Death Note put it like guy put in like a little character building, a little dark stuff, uh, a little epicness, a little chess match mind games. Oops, and then they spilt, and they just dumped that in there, all that chess match mind yeah. games. Chemical X. Yeah, that's the show. It has some Future Diary vibes, too, because in Future Diary, it's a death game, but there's a lot of classmates and things like that, you know, friends having to battle each other and stuff like that, so a little bit of that, too. I had a lot... I don't want to... I don't know. You just keep talking about it. I, I want to talk about all that black and white symbolism, especially when they cut to like some inner monologue scenes where it's like him and his mind the main character and stuff like that just a lot of black and white stuff going on yeah I, go for like it like the symbolism with the putting turn what turn black onto the screen in big black letters separate from the subtitles it was actually in play, like in the animation turn black in quotations on screen as he's talking about his heart when the distrust of his friends enters his mind he makes that realization he fades into a screen, and it's all white for that contrast, like, crossing two different, like, elements of the show, really. The dialogue from the voice saying, my heart's going to turn black, and he kind of, like, it, um, animated his voice when he said that. And then the, the subtitle saying, turn black, showed up on screen, mm-hmm. appearing, like, main stage. It was very eye-catching and kind of, like, toying with my mind it's like this white background saying turn black it's showing on the screen he's talking about his heart and it, it, i felt like the show was just like like hey you still there like yeah, jk really cool. i know you're still there i'm just fucking with you put you on the edge of your seat yes I also like how he views things too when he's like analyzing the whole situation with the one big coin game and he's looking at them and he's like you pieces of crap are saying no on purpose to cut your own debt in half and you're going to dump it all on Kokorogi. And like, he looks at them and they all got like that really evil like Shit red grin. grin and eye glow. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, that's how you see them right now? Yeah, the facial expressions in this show really pop off. 
Especially yeah. when there's like drastic changes to their normal facial expressions and then they do like the weird twisted expression especially like when he comes to the realization of how to beat the game oh my god his one eye is bigger than the other and his like smiles twisted and lopsided i thought he was i thought it was going to be like oh i'm the one who actually orchestrated all of this and he's just like no this is just what i get when i big brain blast the fucking way to beat this game <laughs> the way he said it too so i wasn't paying attention i don't know if you mentioned it, he's like what color is her underwear did you say that? No, I didn't no. say that. But yeah, that is, that a, yeah, I, that threw me off. I did not expect him to say that. He's like, do you know? Do I know? Do you want to know? <laughs> yeah, and he had that sick, twisted shiz going on. So a lot of sick, twisted shiz were going on, and that was kind of appeal we saw in the PVs. Especially, I want to. We haven't talked about the host. What was his name? Mono, mono, mono. Monobu Kun. Yeah. Yeah, he seems friendly. He plays with them. He talks down to them, but then he'll go dark mode on them. And like you said before, when he switched his suit and they called him by his other name I, f- I found it over here where i wrote it down i think it was just manabu sensei yeah he's like i'm a nago i'm a nago sensei now dumbass and he like flips his hair and he yeah. just walks forward i'm like oh man he says he too but the really thing that called me off guard was when he's explaining the rules of the game and then the little cute shy anime girl that i find out is actually you know basically a prostitute you know craigslist and then up she's like oh what <clears throat> she's like what if i don't have anything to say and she's like he his voice changes and he gets all dark so scary but he's like then put in a blank card i'm like oh my yeah. god dude it's like when it loses its patience yeah that clown that's a really good analogy it's like dude man this show is like doing some like clever horror directing Another thing that's really cool about him, too, is, like, he plays all nice and stuff, but then when he starts, like, getting to the point and going, you guys remember, this is a death game. His teeth are all jagged, and he, like, leaks black from Yeah, his the own black ooze, dude. With that's those, like, nuts. scary, soulless mascot eyes. It's just like, whoa, now. They definitely recruited a proper horror person. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah dude, like, that's so scary as a concept. Like... Imagine all of us get fucking tased right here, right now in the studio, and we all wake up and a, a canceled show, like, because it was violent. That main character comes out and introduces himself. Yeah, I, I'm actually really interested to see what the manga's like, because I wonder if they were able to give you the same vibes through just black and white manga panels. You know what I mean? I feel like they can, since the whole show's a big black and white itself. Yeah. I wonder if it comes off even better that way, like, without any color. That's interesting to think about. A little thing I like to mention is I like how all these games are kind of, like, made to be... To incorporate their personalities. So we're learning about them in their past as Mm -hmm. we're playing the game and stuff like that. And it kind of forces them to go against each other. And another thing I wrote that I need to mention... Is, uh, I just thought it was funny. I was wrote, so this bitch dated negotiator. I'm talking about the vice pres, uh, yeah, sheriff's daughter, has a crush on Yuichi, the main character, while the third guy, popular annoying guy, is in love with her or has a crush on her. I hate her. <laughs> oh, and the ex negotiator still loves her, and then negotiator calls out the best friend dude for being a, the cuck, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what is this show? This is. And I'm pretty sure Kokorogi, the quiet anime girl, I'm pretty sure she's in love with Yuichi as well. 
Because oh when, yeah, she she admits that when she re- reflects on them meeting, sitting on the steps, and she's like, "You're the only one that calls me a first name." Pretty much says it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like he says it without saying it. And she also, when if you find out that the sheriff's daughter is in love with Yuichi through one of the blank or not the blank, but uh, one of the uh, anonymous cards in the anonymous game. Anonymous cards. Uh, she goes up and asks her, "Like, uh, uh, do you really love Yuichi?" And she's because got like that she definitely look does. Of pain. Yeah. She's yeah. so adorable. I don't care if you like, a hoe. You can join I, the harem. I believe her. I believe her. I don't think she went that far. I think it got close, and then she's just like, no, 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 wait, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. It was a pretty vivid scene, too. Like, yeah. Because she says, like, eventually it led to uh, him taking pictures of her in, like, a little swimsuit thing in cosplay lingerie wario cosplay and then he he's like (laughs) and then he he's like i want to touch you and it's like this two big hands just like coming towards her ugly bastard shit yeah and then then that's when she's like i had to leave and i i i I wouldn't let him and that's where it ended and that's where like everyone in the sky is typing off Filthy slut, unpure, foul. That's nuts. Foul. She ain't worth shit. There's like a whole flashback where like a group of guys are like, like trying so hard to get with her, and she's like, uh, no, look, those are just rumors. That's when the prez, uh, the, the vice, yeah, the vice prez comes up and beats the hell out of all of them, and they're like, she ain't worth shit. She sold it all anyway. She'll do anything for money, yeah, I think, is what like, the, the bullies say to bro, the vice president. it's so bad. I feel so bad for her. I want, like, unless she turns out to be some vile monster who just causes everyone hell later, I feel bad and just I mean, want the best for her. That is a plausible outcome for her Absolutely. character at this point because she, I think, is, like... She's devastated She by just everything. needs these friends to survive. Like, she's getting bullied all the time. She made this friend group in order to not get bullied, and now she's finding out the people she was trusted the most are telling her biggest secrets on, like, worldwide streaming. Right. It's going to break her eventually, and it's not going to be pretty. I mean, she had the most violent cry I've ever seen in anime. Yeah, it was bad. It was, it, like, was gut-wrenching. It looked like it hurt her when she cried. Like, she just falls on her knees, scream-crying. It's it was wild. It's that to watch. Min Max build, bro. Yeah, for real. That's yeah. so cool. I had something really s- sick, nasty off the chizang to say, dude. Oh yeah, it was a question rather because I didn't check out episode three, but it seems like this whole show, besides the very beginning, is happening in real time. That is what it seems like. Yeah, yes. it continues that, obviously, uh-huh. since they finished yeah. the game. I wonder if it's going to continue that. It's a it's a little uh, obstacle they gave themselves, a little freaking achievement they're going for or something. If they continue, that'd be cool. Because well, yeah, it adds I mean, to the suspense. I, I mean, think. like, ha- you, you get no break. go over the course of multiple real days. Like, where yeah. are they sleeping? I wonder if that's going to be a whole thing, like, in Squid Games, where, like, they have to sleep together in, like, a room and not kill each other. <laughs> so, first three episodes were still a day into the show. I mean, I know they slept for one night. The very first episode, yeah, I think, maybe. Yeah, they wake up the next day mm-hmm. in the white room, yeah. But yeah, that would be cool if they do that. I feel like that'll add to the suspense to it a lot, and a lot of people even notice it's happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that it can only go up from here because they've given us so much. Like, I don't know how the show would get worse as long as it stays pace. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to mm-hmm. get more crazy, more wild, drama, drama, drama. Oh, yeah, that game, the second game we're talking about, that board game, 
they call it sugaroku, and I found out that is snakes and ladders, aka shoots and ladders, aka what we all know, eels and escalators. Yep. Eels. And another thing I found out, Tomodachi means friend, so it's yep. friend game. Yeah. Versus squid game. Of course, Franny, you silly ass. Yeah, there was the like only reason why I was watching it, and he says, oh, time to play the Tomodachi game. I pause it, and I'm like, that's it. That's it, roll credits. They said the name, and the show's <laughs> over. The only reason why I noticed that is because they say friend so much, and I keep hearing the word Tomodachi when friend comes up, that I'm like, okay, so Tomodachi means friend. <laughs> that's also like the play on Tomogachi. Oh. Because like, it was your little that makes so much sense. game shit. buddy. That's little little Easter egg. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's Tomodachi game. I don't think there's much more to say. Uh, there is actually something else to say. Watch the damn show. You shouldn't have listened to us talk about it, stupid. It's hard to talk about. It really is. We are not going to give it the credit it needs and deserves. Yeah, that's it, though. That's all I had to say. Chicka chicka, yeah. Move on to the next one. Oh, yeah, it's Wait. a Franny and Spades pick time now. What are you thinking? Wait, actually, one more thing. That OP. That OP is just That's, absolutely. You're right. Oh, it's a, a banger. Plus. It's a banger. No, I heavily enjoyed the ED, I believe. That's if I'm, really good, too. The ED's really cool, yeah. Both are great. It ended on some crazy cliffhanger, man. And I was like, I, I don't remember what it was, but I'm like, holy shit, that closing. Uh, maybe it was it being introduced to the observers of this game. Um, and I was like, into a really, really dope ED. Holy smokes. Oh, what a provocative cliffhanger. And that's another thing the show absolutely nails. The cliffhangers. Yeah, I mean, like, episode three's cliffhanger was the reveal of who made them play the game. So, yeah. And how warped he is. Episode two's was uh, Kokorogi's, like, death rattle cry. Scream cry. This show yeah. is drama viewer crack. Like, uh-huh. if you like those... I know they're getting really popular again, like The Bachelorette and shows yeah. like that. Reality TV stuff. Yes. this. If you're a fan of that, this show is is that on, that on crack. Faux show. Mm-hmm. Right, what, what you and Spades got cooking for us, Fran? What, what should we do foist? You want to just do uh, Skeleton Knight in Another World? Frick yeah. I, I got I to pee, though. All right, we can wait. All right, thanks. My mouth. Are we still rolling? <laughs> yeah. Are we, we? Did we take a official intermission? Oh no, that that was an official intermission. Space will never let that see the light of day. <laughs> well, all right then. We got Skeleton Knight in another world. What studio did Tomo got? You know what? It was Studio. Okaruto Noboru. Noboru. They only done a few other ones. I think we talked about it in the previews, though, huh? If we did, I definitely do not remember. I'm looking Ditto. it up right now. The Hidden Dungeon, Only I Can Enter, and How Not to Summon a Demon Lord. Remember that? Oh, yeah. They did two very popular, very etchy harem anime, I, which is kind of impressive because very generic isekai titles, uh, very kind of niche taboo topic but they ended up blowing up and so was tomodachi game yeah that being said we get on the skeleton mother freaking night in another world what is that done by studio kai and studio hornets sources a light novel action fantasy dude it's an isekai and holy smokes 
One day, a gamer played video games until he fell asleep, and then he woke up. He found himself in the game world as a skeleton. Sounds familiar. Equipped with a powerful weapon and armor and of his avatar, but stuck with its frightening skeletal appearance. Ark is his name. Shout out Training Ork Podcast. Has to find a place for himself in this new fantastical land. All his hopes for a quiet life are dashed when he crosses paths with a beautiful elven warrior. Holy smokes. Talk about a freaking cool upgraded asana from Sword Art Online. Um, <laughs> setting him on a journey full of conflict and adventure. And I guess that's liberating the elf slaves. Yeah. I, but you really don't get the idea of that until li- a little later on. Yeah. At three, probably. <clears throat> Holy smokes, dude. Well, people get sliced up in this bitch. Right yeah, on screen. We saw that on PV alone. You see a lot within the first second of this pick. Remember when we made our picks on the Discord meeting, everybody? The yeah, end yep. of the previews podcast? Yeah. And Spades suggest. Oh, no, this is on the first attempt of it because we did it twice. But oh, yeah. I'm like, Spades, what do you think about watching? Because we were making our picks. We had to pick together. And Spades picked, like, this super cornball, like, copycat of Digimon and Bakugan combined. Remember that thing? Shadowverse. Yeah, and you just, well, you just wanted the edgy name. I like the name. Listen, it's dark. Fuck around, and I will, I will come back and cover it. And then, and then this one, I'm like, all right, Skeleton Knight, I'm very, I'm, me and Pank talked about it in previews, very interested in it, uh. I don't know what it seems to be doing a lot. It seems to be uh, exploring those taboo, like, Goblin Slayer type things but i did not expect that to be the very first scene turn on the show viewer discretion warning i think we get that every episode uh, really you guys uh, get a viewer discretion on your show yeah because titties big big tiggies on the screen immediately first thing you see they're shiny they're red a little red why being pressed against the ground why because there's a bunch of bandits forcing themselves on these honeys. Oh, man. I was going to say, why am I watching Tomodachi game when there's big old yiddies on the screen? But never mind. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're big and they're being, you know, manipulated by, by gravity. And I'm like, why they, why is that being displayed right now with the current actions that are being taken place right now? And then, you know, uh, let's see. I want to see. I want to make sure I get this right. But I talk about how I, I compare it to Goblin Slayer a lot in the beginning of these notes. Uh, Goddamn, this wasted literally no time. Very first second, viewer discretion scene. And then bing, and then boom, big shiny Tiggy's bouncing as this honey's struggling being restrained by like five dudes. And then three seconds later, boom. Tiggy's big shiny kind of red with the shiny. Because they be impressed on the ground while this other honey's being attacked. Holy shit. One of the bandits says in a stupid-ass voice, Whoa, she pissed herself. I'm like, oh, really? Wow, right off like, the rip. I was like, yeah. come on, you're already doing the same exact thing as Goblin Slayer? Yeah. And then you're going to... I mean, Goblin Slayer didn't say it, but they did something just as worse, probably worse, is that they showed it. You yeah. kind of heard it, too. But this guy, I guess... I don't know which one I would prefer. The Actually, I... This one's worse just because this guy's, you get to hear this guy's shitty ass, this piece of shit's voice, you know? Yeah, it's not like a goblin, and well, there's goblin slayer goblins are just like unintelligent monsters. No, this is a dude with a fully formed conscience, or so we think. 
I wrote, like, damn, dude, I never wanted to hear or see that in any more anime ever. Who the fuck thought it was a good idea to put that in another anime? Full Dive, that anime. Oh, yeah. From, that isekai from a <laughs> couple Baby seasons ago. Poo-poo pants. Yeah. That was the one and only acceptable pee-your-pants situation in anime. Because they, they made light of it, and mm-hmm. it wasn't gross, really. And, yeah, it was, yeah. The girl who was obsessed with it was the gross thing about it. Her outfit, specifically. But, Spades, you might agree with me, are both hot fire trash. Therefore, they both, ironically, unplatonically, they both drink piss. This all checks yeah, out. That, yeah. That's a very odd uh, odd way to put that. But yeah, this, this could be hot fire trash. It's absolutely. It's some of the hottest fire trash I've ever seen. I thought it'd be a joke, Spades. You keep saying, like, we could drop it. We could pick another one if you want. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. You, I mean, you pulled me into hell, and I kind of like it here. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm down to continue with it. I want to see how it plays out. So I'm I'm down to keep going with it. I, I mean, have a, Yeah, what's up, mate? Based on the OP alone, I'm interested in watching the first episode. That's the other thing, Lego. After all that crazy shit happened, and then skeleton knight and big armor comes and slices them all clean in half we see everything and i like that about it I talked about it in the previews because we saw that in the mm. pv it's going to show us that fucked up shit they better show me the justice being served and they do that um Good. and then the op plays and it's like whoa yeah <laughs> and it's straight just up like, like hair metal yeah. yeah and it's just like this wild crazy stuff it's a good op too man and the ED is one of my favorites ever. I love it. It's totally different than what the OP is. But I'm like, and then I just, I, I'm just called spades. I talked to you on the phone. I'm like, dude, what the? And I explained that to you. I'm like, what am I watching, bro? Like, I see this crazy crude scene and then this skeleton knight and this gore and then this freaking super high energy uplifting, like, let's fucking have a dream and ride a dragon in, in, intro. Yeah. I'm like, what am I? <laughs> I, I buckled Bro, up. He laughs in his own intro. He gives a real hearty <laughs> laugh in there. I think that's the definition of hot fire trash, is that that sequence of events right there, like, there's nothing else waiting for you besides hot fire trash. And that's what makes it hot fire trash, is, like, it's in the trash can, meaning, like, people threw it out, and, they, like, they, you know, didn't give it a proper, like, tasting before. And that's what we do. We go back in the garbage can, we hang out for a little bit, and then we do some work, and we, like, find the good gems. And holy smokes, dude, I'm having mad fun with this anime. Overlord character with uh, character concepts 2.0 with, like, a Goblin Slayer format 2.0. Very much, like, straight-up polymerization, dude. Like, for sure. Be- but being an isekai with, like, self-aware protagonist with the Goblin Slayer format where it's, like, fantasy realm, but it's an isekai this time, because... This is doing a lot of what Goblin Slayer couldn't do. Yeah. Like, the main character actually says more than a few words in an episode, for starters. In fact, he has two voices. Oh, that's interesting. Is it, like, his knightly voice and then his skeleton voice? Yes. Because not everybody knows he's a skeleton, right? Yeah, he hides that. That's, like, his main goal. He wants to lay low because he knows this is a disadvantage. As opposed to Overlord, where it was a big advantage. Because people want to, like, kill the skeleton if they see it, right? Like, they think skeleton means bad guy. This world is racist. Yeah. Oh, damn. When when he gets isekai he literally goes into the game, and he forgets that he picked the skeleton as his avatar until he's in the game. It's also interesting, too, because did they explain how he got his armor? Because his armor looks like level 100, like, OP paladin armor. That's another really cool aspect of this gamer, isekai, goblin slayer-esque overlord anime is 
he's a skeleton, but his whole character build is holy warrior, priest, defender, light magic. Undead priest, baby. so cool. So, So it's like ironic and really cool. Like this guy was an interesting gamer for sure. He knew what he was doing. And the two voices did just add an interesting mental situation. Like we get full monologues about, like very familiar for watching Overlord, where he has his weird, like puny conversation with his gamer self, and then he's Eins, and then his voice is deep and, and charismatic. Very same exact yeah. format here, which is just really good seed to plant. I mean, it makes sense too, right? Because it would be really weird if this little teenager boy voice would be the main voice coming out of that giant hulking knight. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would be really awkward. I mean, it could be lead to some really funny moments, too, but for that to be the entire show would be annoying at a certain point because it just wouldn't look the right, right? It reminds me of a really obscure character from Dot .hack video game, Pyrus. Pyrus. I don't know if you remember him. He had, like, a bulk cut. He had, like, the Rock Lee haircut, big-ass armor, and he's like... Yeah, it was blonde? No, it was dark. It was, like, Rock Lee from Naruto. Was he in uh, GU? No, he was in the first one. Okay. Might have appeared in GU. He needed more screen time, but... Imagine, like, if there was an English dub of this, and it's just Kuwabara's voice as the skeleton knight. Like, that would be so jarring. Hey, put that thing away! She didn't consent! (laughs) And yeah, after mentioning that, I do want to mention that the show redeems itself consistently, and it's on the road to redemption swimmingly. Wouldn't you agree, Spades? I, I do, uh, he's so damn wholesome. Yeah, I I see why you want to keep with it, and I'm I'm down to go for the ride. Um, it it's slowly growing on me. And what was the parts you didn't like? Is it just the that first opening jarring scene? No, that that. So did you even in, not like any of it? Because I I liked all of it. Well, my my biggest gripe is the fact that like. Yeah, it's it's the take on a new isekai where he's very self-aware. Like all of his, it's his character from the game. But like you're getting dropped into the game knowing everything about it. It's kind of like trapped in a dating sim. But you're already broken. So like where do you go from there? And he's just trying to find his way around in the game. Like he fully knows he's isekai. Is is he trying to unskeleton himself? Like, is that his goal right now? No, his goal is to lay low because Land of Leodel does this too, where the OP character, character OP main character, is self aware so much that they know they're so powerful that if people found out what they're capable of, it would alter the state of the world. You know, like people would be at odds, people would try to kill you, people would try to manipulate, things would change for the worse. You know, innocent people die and stuff like that. Everyone you know. So, like, episode to episode, is there an overarching main goal that he's trying to do besides lay, lay low? Like, that's not really a goal. He could just fucking sit in a house and he's very laying low, right? Opposite of Goblin Slayer, which I really want to stress, and I'm not done with it, not even close, with comparing it to Goblin Slayer and Overlord being combined in a very unique way, very different. Like, you won't be sick of it if you've seen both of them, if both of your favorite even. He's a very happy and protagonist, op- optimistic, and he's he's amped to do simple quests, to lay low. He's really excited about everything. It's weird, because Goblin Slayer, I have this written later, actually, but it, he takes himself serious. He's like the serious character. Everyone else kind of can get loose. He's really role-playing. He's Goblin really Slayer. loose and role-playing, and everyone else is taking the world very serious, because it is. It's very cutthroat, racist, you know, stuff like that. Uh, 
and he can blush through his armor, and you see little pink circles. I think that was cute. And also, he, when he gets serious, the blue <laughs> there's like a blue eye that comes through the that's the slots. That's yeah. the glaring Goblin Slayer yeah. similarity. It's the same design, same little streak. It's just a different color. And that's when Goblin Slayer was rolling 20s, getting critical rolls. And that's when this guy is... When he stands do- from Undertales, you. Yeah. Um, I can see hints of an inevitable slow decline of morality and like mortality. Bring an undead character... And choose his words very wise in his head because he's acting as his game character arc, like very much Overlord. Like he's slowly becoming undead. He loses his like sexual drive in Overlord, and uh, he can't. He starts can't feeling things. And this guy kills people, and he's like, "Huh, it doesn't feel as bad as I thought. Is it because they were bad, or is it because I'm a skeleton?" It alludes to something. It opens that door. That's interesting. I don't know if it's gonna explore that like Overlord did, but. Even if it did, I haven't seen it enough. I'd still be entertained, right? Definitely sounds too familiar, though. And the gamer aspects are really gamer. Like, sometimes you see the gamer aspect, UI, isekai stuff, and you're like, all right, this person really probably never played games. But this person definitely, these creators, you know, they killed it. You see the UI and the skill trees and all that being on the forefront, acting like a major tool in this. And um, Goblin Slayer had all that, but it was cleverly implied throughout the whole show like it was you know what i'm saying they never showed it they never alluded to it but it was there and they did it on purpose it was clever and it was consistent uh then they're both enjoyable in their own way common slayer was serious and to be a more serious type isekai you need to be consistent as well with that and dedicated to pull off like a respected serious isekai uh it had me cracking up but none of the jokes were realized about the characters it may have broke my suspense build up but the characters carried that series for the most part in Goblet Slayer. It was just like implied super cleverly and it was super splendid for me. Skeleton Knight, on the other hand, has like way more natural room for comedy and silly shit. And it takes advantage of that just to keep the theme and all those like animes mentioned like Overlord and Goblet Slayer and, and Skeleton Knight now. You can put that in that group. Uh, this anime is just a different character build before they reset the game, aka Isekai. Like... Uh, to put that in better terms, like you guys playing Elden Ring lately? Yeah. yeah. Like you do a a magic based run as a, you throw on your wizard hat, you know, and uh, but you never played with like a sword and shield parry uh, type character played through, and you're like, huh? And I'm like, no strength build. Like, what are you a pussy? Yeah, <laughs> gotta cosplay guts in Elden Ring, man. So I feel like this bonk. If anime is Elden Ring. And they ran through it with a Goblin Slayer build, and they ran through it with the Overlord build. They're just running through it with the new hybrid build, is how I view this show. That's cool. That's a good way to put it. I like that analogy. But, like, the, the other thing is he, uh, that's how he travels around, since it, there's no save data for him being in the game, so he can't just go town to town. He just uh, literally teleports in the sky five feet in front of him, five feet in front of him. Yeah, Fran sent me a snap of that. I'm like, man, that's so cool. I wish I could do that. Well, it's, it's not that he can't use gate. It's that he's never been anywhere yet. So that's like his, he's like improvises. He's like, oh yeah, I have this like quick dash. What if I spam it? And then he jumps off the edge of a cliff and just starts spamming it. And he just falls ever so slowly so he can travel. Like there, there are redeeming factors about this, and it's it's good for for the three episodes 
which I'm gonna give a disclaimer and say I only watched two and a half. Um, but to touch on what Lego said, uh, he his motivation for the first first episode is he's just trying to get money to eat. So that's how he he goes to the mercenaries and he's trying to sign up and get a license as a mercenary. That's how it trickles into the beginning scene. Mm. He enters the town, right? And he's wearing his armor because he's not letting yeah. anyone know he's a skeleton. And he hears some random person say, can't have a fantasy setting without an in pub bar. I'm like, well, that's weird. And then he even like makes a remark about that. And he goes, uh, it looks more medieval than fantasy. Like, kind of be like, where's the magic, bro? But like, it was weird. Like, some random person in the village just said that. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Like, so, is there other humans that are isekai in, or is it just him? There's no other player characters. Okay. And I, I don't, because that would be something that, like, another player character would kind of say, right? Yeah. Like, reflecting on the world that they thought it would be. But, but like I said before, this room has more room for comedy like that, where Gamma yeah. Slayer didn't. That's why I was like, oh, okay, it's a different character build of this format. He even, like, when he first runs into the elf in, like, a alleyway after she's, like, telling some dude to give her her money, <laughs> he says to himself, excuse me, in his head. And he gets all That's silly awesome. in his head. Yeah. And there's just, like, silly-ass, like, plastic flute shit playing, dude. It was great. He says, bloody hell, after he hears the pee thing. And uh, as he was approaching the situation, like, strategically as he could, he's like, oh, uh, I've never done PvP in this world before. It must be it might be different than PvE. I never fought a human before. Do they have the same builds as me and stuff like that? He's trying to be really gamer about it. But then once he hears the P thing, he's like, Alright, I gotta go. This is enough. Yeah, fair. I was like, this is like interesting. Like I like this. I respect the gamer, but like, dude, go. Like, get out of the bush. Yeah. <laughs> to to give you guys a little little backstory, uh, just up into that scene. Uh, after he goes and signs up for the mercenary stuff, the the head of the mercenaries is like, you have to bring in a monster, you have to bring in an animal, and you have to bring in a bandit to get your license. So he acquired the monster, he acquired the animal, and he just needed the bandit. So he's he's literally looking over the road where the beginning scene is, is happening, but now you're watching it from his perspective. And he does a sick move when the bandits are running away. Always, every time he does a sick move, he uses one of his spells. It's a deep, dark, echoey voice. And it's like, Wyvern Slash! And it, they just go all out with the animation. And it's beautiful. It's very satisfying to see. Good. Good. I love good, that. Good. I, I catch me practicing that in the garage later. <laughs> he saves this girl. It's so funny. The girl that he saves. Her and her like little assistant because she's royalty. Lauren. Do la vierte or something like that. The way they say it all fast in the little cute anime girl voice. So it's just like, yes, dude, great name. Very unique voice actresses, too. I liked it. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. These girls ask him what kind of knight he is, uh, some sort of lord, perhaps, because he he looks decked the fuck out. Yeah, dude, he's got yeah. level 100 armor, like, <laughs> or whatever it is, an equivalent in that game. And then he has this, like, inner monologue combo with himself. I thought that was sick. I got this. Long quote. Well, my character premise in this game was becoming a holy knight. I was hit with a nefarious curse in that I'm on a knight's journey across the land to find a way to cure myself. Hmm. Then put out, he says, we can speak later. 
you got to get clothed and get home. I'm like, oh man, he's very noble and gentleman like. You know, he's got his priorities yeah. right. Like thinking of others before himself. I shall clean up the mess the bandits left. That Lauren girl is very much in awe, very wow. And uh, I was like, dude, she's definitely got to be royalty. She's definitely set up for like a get out of jail free card later on, yeah. you know? These guys have done that. Then he says to himself, even though these guys are bandits, I can't just leave these bodies out. You can at least serve as nourishment for the wild flowers. And then he casts fire. And I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's like a good ass human. Again, this show is doing its most to redeem itself after that yeah. shocking scene. They're trying to show you he's more human than the humans around him. And even though he's just his little skeleton boy. He's an adorable old man. <laughs> The fantasy music hits in this. I always got to comment on that. It is good. At 1830, dude, it must be the first episode. It goes crazy, dude. So basically, he established his mission, his backstory, and his legend while talking to these girls on the way back. And it's cool. He has this inner monologue with himself where he's just like, okay, I have one shot to make who I am again. And he goes at it very carefully, and it's all going well. Like, he keeps rolling 20s, you could say. Yeah, he he's he's very strategic how he says things and how he presents himself, and everything's working out. And he keeps getting that blue going eye. So I'm like, damn, dude, very similar. And he's got to keep a low profile. And so he takes newbie ass quests on purpose. It's perfect. Let's go. He's amped to do the newbie quest. He's very optimistic. You only see him take off his helmet when he's back in his apartment in the inn, the room he's renting, and he's sitting there getting drunk, getting excited, like gamer dude. This ain't bad. Oh, and he the, can drink? Yeah. Yeah. That I question that because like he's he's literally just a skeleton, but he's eating and the, he's swallowing the food, but it's not like just dropping out of his jaw. Magic. Do you see it like go into his chest? No. Never seen his chest yet. Oh, interesting. Armor stays on during everything. Oh, speaking of his chest, isn't there like some little animal that sleeps in his ribs? Yeah. Is it cringe? Punta. No, it's actually adorbs. Yeah, it, it hasn't, as, as far as I know, it hasn't slept in his chest yet, but, you know, it's so fucking weird to say. Oh, I should call her. <laughs> so, episode two starts out with this genuine little boonies girl watching over her little sister, like, you know, and I'm just like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, what's going to happen? And in his newbie quest, he's off to go, like, do, because he picks it up off the board, you know, classic adventurer's guild, bulletin board, yep. picking up shitty quests. Uh, I'm like, is is this gonna affect these children? Like, I'm like, I'm just like, sh I'm shaking, dude. But opposite day, motherfucker, dude. Who would have guessed? Now there's, now it's the most wholesome anime you'll ever see. This girl, her name is Marka, and it was just too damn funny. Like, he knocks on her door, and she, he answers this big hulky night. She's this cute little girl. She's probably like twelve or thirteen because her little sister's like a little, lot younger. Okay, and uh. He has to pick herbs for her. It's so cute. So she was the one that put up the freaking the mission thing. Yeah, to pick herbs. So Marka, she was too damn funny, clenching her fists and, and, and ready eyed, like showing she is forcing herself to be brave in front of this knight and strong for her little sister. And she's saying, Yes, I'm Marka. He's like, Are you Marka? And uh dude, it was just so fucking good that she's just booing, skipping through the woods with the basket with this like giant knight. And uh must I remind you, I watched To Your Eternity. Like, this fucking skeleton better defend oh. Marco with his bony ass on dead life. 100%. Because remember March? 
from yep. Tear Eternity. Hot damn. I didn't want to go through that again. Uh, but oh snap, he inquired about her urgency and, and her family. They're just talking. And she wants him to keep it a secret from her. She, she's like, don't tell my mom that we're doing this mission because father died last year and this was his job. And now I want to help her because she's like struggling raising two kids. Well, she wants to pick up the slack. And I was like, damn, dude, this show is so wholesome now. What the fuck is going on? She's the one that went and posted the freaking thing. She's like too cool. And even Ark acknowledges how noble she is. And he he cries a little bit. Skeletons can cry. Same fam. <laughs> Love that symbolism. That's where we get introduced to the green Eevee. The little Kitsune thing. They call it a cottontail fox. And uh, that interaction was surprisingly pink. It, was, it wasn't bad. Even though it was incredibly classic. He healed the motherfucker. He healed it. Had a little like thorn in his paw. Yeah, he want he straight up wanted the smoke, and Ark is just like, ah, I got you, little buddy, and then just cast heal. He defends Marka from a motherfucking weird ass OP monster that shouldn't be in the forest, a basilisk, and uh, like nothing was like saving the the cottontail fox, the little green Eevee, and like fighting the basilisk and defending it from Marka, like with. None of that was, like, super dope and interesting, but because Marco was there and he had someone to, like, he had to impress and, like, build his lore on, like, it made it really interesting. Like, seeing Ark just coming in with the open mind and a good attitude, rolling 20s, like, acting, building his rep, his character, his new life, and him just, like, leveling the playing field between him and Marco, like... Like when a big person gets down on their knees to talk to a little person. Oh, that's so nice. It was just redeeming, dude, from like the opening scene. Like the show is consistently on a good route. And like you said, Spades, he finds the boar, kills the boar, brings it back to the village, plops it in the village square. And this is a giant boar. It's fucking huge. And he says, I'm giving this to Lady Marka. It is to be shared with the rest of the village. I'm like, now, dude, give him the fucking Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Now that's after he killed the basket. Bat- God. Good luck, Spades, yeah. you motherfucker. Listen, I got a speech impediment. Say it with me now. Go Bas- fuck yourself. That's not how you uh, say basket. So after he beat beat the basket, motherfucker, I'm not even going to bother with it. Just say big snake. It, it wasn't a big snake, though. That's what a basilisk is, though. But he sees the boar, and he's like, oh, is that the thing that's causing your village some problems? And then he just straight squares up with it and knocks it the fuck out. Stand up type of guy. <laughs> I think I sent you this Snapchat where Marka and her mother finally reunite after they're all spooked because they know the basilisk is ramping around, right? And holy smokes, dude, Ark bows and apologizes sincerely and very formally. But, like, you remain genuine. It was really hard to do, man. This guy's good. Super impressive. I would only ask that you not scold her, please. I was like, oh, you my God. You did send that. In the deep, badass voice. And yeah. he's bowing like a Japanese person. Uh... He says, I have never met a child who cares more for her mother. Making, so it was very similar to Land of Leodel. I didn't talk about it yet, but he makes his first friend, some lower class girl in an outskirt village, wholesome as a motherfucker, and doing a little promised handshake before he leaves. Uh, even a young girl in the village thanks him by giving him a little flower crown, which is the exact same thing that happens in Land of Leodel, which is weird. That is weird. I feel like that's like a trope in fantasy settings. Perhaps, yeah. Like, not even... It transcends anime, too. Just, Mm -hmm. like, little girl in the village gives you a flower crown, because it's like, what else does this outlier village have besides literal flowers and 
Exactly. <laughs> well, we I, don't have nice things. Here's this crown I made. Here's a gift with heart. Well, that was uh, that was her sister that gave. gave oh, the crown. his little sister. That's right. I forgot she had a little sister because Marka absolutely slayed it, dude. Yeah, she was amazing. It was. Uh, I think it was some of the herbs that uh, that they picked, and she fastened the crown because he took it. He took it as like, I will, I will protect this with my life. And then ep, ep three. We get introduced to the elf honey, finally, dude. And the forest between, this is her quote, the forest between humans and elves is only getting worse. Humans continue to expand, continue to expand onto elves' land. In a world filled with deceit and injustice, there exists no one to offer us any salvation. Which is why I must become a warrior as the daughter of the leader of our clan and the savior of an oppressed kindred. Not gonna lie, that sounds like basic human shiz. Go on, well, take over land. Franny, we there was one other thing at the end of episode two that you, I think was glanced over a little bit. Was that? Um, there was two basculus. Yeah, that's how I'm going to say. Close it. enough. Deal with it. Um, the royal royal guards fought one because they were supposed to be together, which gets touch, touched on in episode three. Uh, Ark fights one, and then it's like 15 people that fought the other, <laughs> and. The captain and the the captain's right hand man go over to the one that was killed by itself, and he he goes, "This could have been God Himself or the devil." Ooh, oh, that's a fucking sick line. That was that was a sick line. And we find out there's like mad politicky shit going on. He's like, "What the basilisk? Who killed them? We, you know, freaking experimentally made them and sent them over there for for some." For compl- science, complicated politics shit that hasn't been explored yet. Yeah. But there's a couple different nations and they're all feuding and stuff like that but he's running casual quests as he's doing he's amped on it right and he enters this like cave with a group of bandits and i'm like damn this is skyrim vibes as hell like tarps draped yeah. over to make rooms really brought me back because those are some of my favorite places to go in skyrim a lot of loot a lot of like different like hidden little nooks and crannies and you see kate this is where you see the cages with the food bowls and stuff we saw in the pv and the music changes when he sees them. Like, the show was being respectful now. Uh, so there's death arrival royalty politicking going on. Like, assassination attempts, as we saw, as that P scene, opening scene. That's what that was, apparently. And there's a fight between the elf honey and Ark. And it was... What did you think about the chore- choreography and animation? It wasn't bad. It wasn't impressive, either. No, it... It's something that could have been just brushed over if they just talked. Like there was, he was on the defensive the whole time, so it's not like he was trying to do anything with her. He's always the bigger man. Yeah, shout out Lionheart. He had some yeah. some serious diarrhea. He didn't even go to the bathroom once. Yeah, shout out Lionheart. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> he almost died on the podcast, so we won't go too too hard on him. There's this yeah, shout at Lionheart. Super hateable guy named Udalon. He looks like Annie from Attack on Titan, but a boy in a bowl cut. Ew. Yeah, it'll just piss so you off like right there. Annie and Armin's like yeah. garbage baby love child. Yeah, aren't they a thing too? Yeah. But Armin only likes her when she's fucking frozen. Yeah, because Armin's a giant old beta male. And, I fucking and she Armin. can't grab him by his beta frame and save him from a titan, so he's just going to stand there and admire her crystal cocoon. All the characters I like in Attack on Titan died, so. He says, 
conquering a strong woman would be a nice change. I was like, this motherfucker needs to die. Yeah, for real. And, uh, dude, Ark uses his holy character build to uncurse these mana-eating collars they put on the elves. And he uses heal to heal them. And that shit just never gets old when he does those spells. And it's like, gives it that crazy introduction. He plays with the little baby elf girls like a badass Chad dad. Aww. Main character seems dope. He just seems like a stand-up dude just trying to make it in the world. He just happens to be OP. But he's chilling with that on the down low. And she still thinks he's a human too. The elf, honey? Yeah, I I wonder if that's going to be like a main plot point is like the reveal that he's a skeleton to the people he became friends with and what their reaction to it is. Well, as... uh the scene after, like, they stop fighting her and Ark, uh, she goes, as she's running away, she's like, I'm never going to take help from a human. And then he, it cuts to him, like, but I'm not a human type deal. But he doesn't mm-hmm. say it. Yeah. Yeah, she's deaf, makes it be known that she's curious about how powerful and gracious he is for a human. She's never met one like that. And he just says he's a mercenary. And uh, she's like, oh, okay. Well, are you for hire right now to help me? Because we just found out where the leader is. And uh, all in all, I'm just like, extremely hooked for episode four. I I am too. I, I just hope it's more action, action-based. action Like, if they keep giving, giving me more action, then yeah, I'm down for it. And like, I'll take... I mean, I'm doing the review of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hero, <laughs> so I'm down for a lot of dialogue too. It's just, I'm preferring more action, from this at least. Yeah, I think the world building is a really big strength. That's what's got me personally hooked as well. Um, yeah, I could go without any action, TBH. But that'll only be a bonus if it happens. But I think the world building and just, I don't know, I'm just a huge Goblin Slayer fan and I really like gaming stuff. I really thought Overlord had a cool concept and I feel like this is taking both of those and doing something special with it and it's got me hooked the whole time. It's weird. I can't really point out anything that's like really dope, but like nothing was disappointing. I was surprised at the beginning. It was just roller coaster, man. I was surprised and shocked and kind of appalled in the beginning. And then I was like, wow, they're really, really selling this guy to be like the best person ever. Well, my my question to you is, uh, before he got isekai'd into this, how do you think he played the game? Like, it seems like he's playing a different different way and yeah it seems like what the show what i compared to the show doing doing a different build character build going through this isekai it seems like he's doing that too like this isn't his first playthrough like he's like i'm gonna make a skeleton i'm gonna make him a holy warrior i already know how to get the best stuff yeah yeah it seems like that so i'm i'm down to see where it goes from here all right mother fluffers catch part two for uh what are we doing in part two your boy Kung Ming. And boy Kung Ming out of P- PA Works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the execution on her way of life. What I, what Freddy Pack is claiming to be the newest, biggest hitter, most explosive isekai to come out, dude. I'm calling it. Do you? They're like, I you guys thought Mashoko Tensei was popular, Jabba's reincarnation? You thought Shield Hero was popular when it came out, dude. This is. The most impressive first episode I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, it it was 
fire. Not even like hot trash. It was just straight fire. Yeah, it was crazy. It felt like it did not feel like I was sitting there for 25 minutes. It felt much longer. But catch that on the next one, dude, as well as motherfucking Kong Ming. These two, are, I think, are the two biggest sleepers of the season. I agree. Yeah. So let's get into it now that we got through these risky picks. Well, one risky pick, one very interesting must-watch. Got to catch it out scene. Catch it out. And uh, outro, outro phrases, dude. Forgot, almost forgot about this one. The most important one. Check up on your strong friends, people. Everyone needs that reminder all the time. And, you know, if you want to swim fast, you got to shave stuff. That's why I swim slow. I got a bush. Follow us on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a catchphrase. We don't have one. Spades hasn't been thinking in doggy. This is your gentle reminder to always think in doggy. It makes your brain work better. Archer back for IQ bonus. Pink, that's your cue to do the hot soup one. Yeah. And we're out. Uh, something about hot soup and uh, making sure that it's cooled off before you sip it. Are we still calling them the Raptor Squad? Yeah. Remind them.